Welcome to another episode of At Home with Leaders, this new mini-series, part of the Leaders Performance Podcast. I'm Matthew Stone, Senior Product Manager here at the Leaders Performance Institute. Welcome back to all the returning listeners and welcome for the first time to all these new listeners out there. We hope the conversations on this podcast will attempt to uncover what the top people within high performance are doing right now and will do in the future while sport is not usual. Alongside me once again is top sports psychologist and more importantly, friend and colleague, Mr. Michael Caulfield. Michael, how was your morning walk this morning? Myself and Shankly, as ever, we never walk alone. He's getting a bit old now and so we didn't go very far, but it's the most perfect morning we've had and he's done his he's done his morning walk as he always does for the last 14 years. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to this today uh, and we're very privileged to have with us today the third longest serving manager in professional football here in England, actually. It's Burnley's Sean Dye. Sean, how are you this morning? Yeah. Yeah, very well, thank you. How's uh, how's life? How's the uh, how's the family, the Dice family, and also the the Clarets family as well? How, how's yeah, everyone good. doing? Yeah, good, good, good. We've, we've had nothing so far, um, any form of illness. Um, you know, obviously, we're monitoring the players. There's been nothing there either, and nothing with their families. So, you know, that bodes well at the moment. And and just really like everyone else, waiting for the wheels to start turning of life again because it's a kind of surreal time. Absolutely, and and working from home is probably a slightly new concept for you I guess like like, like a lot of us what's, what's your work working from home setup like what, what can you see well to be honest it's not been too bad for me to give you a very very brief overview of, of this is kind of I almost put it down to like at the end of a season I'd have a period where I do very little you know I, I, I mooch about the house I do a bit of jet washing tidy the gardens do the garage all them things so I'm trying to sort of package it up a bit like that to not overthink it and then within that of course um you know, still could some pretty firm media commitments at times and keeping hold of the players with a couple of Zoom chats, nothing heavy because there's not a lot to report at the moment. You know, we are being guided by the government guidelines, so there's not a lot we can tell them at the minute. Yeah, so just monitoring situations from afar, really. The only thing we're kind of keeping a handle on is recruitment because, you know, with all the analysis equipment now, we can look at players, um, albeit through a TV screen or a computer screen, but at least you get a feel of that. So, yeah, that gives you a little kind of package of, of what's been going on for me the last few weeks. Sean, do you think, because no one wanted this, and we know the, the consequences which are, which are dire, but Matt and I have been speaking to some other coaches and to performance directors in other sports, and will anything good come out of this in terms of the way even you manage and lead and operate and your staff also? Have they, have they acquired new skills in the most unexpected situation of all? I mean, I think the, the most obvious thing is, well, we don't know how this is going to come out, but I, I think the, the, the reflection of all this might be that you don't take everything for granted. That's not just football. It's, I think people, you know, you, you get into this sort of, you know, you get on that hamster wheel, you never quite come off and look around. And, and that might be one thing. I think the sport of football might do that as well. So there might be a bit of that. I think you'll remember just how much, you know, put my player's head on, ex-player's head, you remember how much you actually do love what you do, even though it has some grinds and some ups and downs, but you probably think, God, you know, I'd give anything to be back training every day freely and getting on with it. And then on the practical side, a lot more, you know, I found out a lot more about the, the kind of gadgetry that's available and the technology that's available. I mean, I've been using that and Zoom and all these things, you know, to keep in touch with people. And strangely, actually, probably got in touch with more people because you are kind of trying to catch up with people when you've never had a chance before. So using all them things to old friends, football friends, people in the game, obviously players, staff members. So nothing radical. I think just I'm intrigued how the psychology of this is going to affect football and the masses who love football and maybe actually all love it even more when it comes back because they maybe some of the, the the bad side of it and the social media bile that gets put out there maybe that'll soften a bit because people go do you know what I moan about it but I'm pleased it's there and I'm pleased it's back do you, do you think this is a big chance for not just the Premier League and listen you, you've taken Burnley <laughs> to the Premier League and, and, you, and you've kept them there 
But you think this is a ch- I was reading an article yesterday about how uh, there was some instances in American sport which closed down for a year because of all sorts of nonsense. And it came back better in the end because everyone, the game got quicker, the game got faster. And as you said there, some of the bile just went away because people just wanted to play and watch it again. Do you think actually football can, has got a chance now to assess itself from some of the, the stuff that went on, which even you hated, because I would watch your press conferences about, about diving, etc. Do you think football's got a chance to really have a good look at itself as well? It has. I, I don't think on that particular subject that's going to change, unfortunately. Um, it's something I feel strongly about just because I, I don't think the sport should stand for that. I don't think that's going to change. The, the powers that be don't want to change it. And, and to be fair, fans don't really want to change. They somehow seem to like that side of, uh, you know, that specific thing in football. The, the bigger picture, like I say, there, there might just be more of an appreciation for it all. And, and look, it's, it's not perfect. It's not a perfect thing. You know, no, no, nothing is. And, and football still has the things that fans can complain about, some rightly so, about different things. But, you know, there might be that kind of, like, like you said, and you mentioned it, like a, I, I imagine a, a softening off of some of the anger that goes into a stadium. You know, at the end of the day, you're going to watch a football match, but there's some angry, angry people around the world, I know, but there's some angry people who go into football stadiums. And I always, I always describe it to people as, as this. I always say, you know, in my sort of imagination, it's like road rage. People who are perfectly placid get in a car and suddenly turn into monsters and then get out again and placid. And that's what football fans are like. They're perfectly normal. They get in a football stadium. They start going absolutely bonkers and then walk out and they're perfectly normal again. So it's a strange situation with that. And I've always marvelled at it um, and been frustrated at it probably at times as well. And I wonder whether that might ease off a bit. Whether people just think, hang on a minute, there's more to to life than me coming into a stadium to you know purely vent my anger and scream at people. So hopefully there'll be a softening and a, a, a high a heightening of kind of the thrill to be enjoy it, the thrill to be involved in it rather than, there's only a small percentage by the way, but there's a percentage of people who almost seem to just go to agitate and you know deliver whatever they deliver, uh, somehow taking ownership of some of the bile that comes out. So maybe there'll be a softening off of that and this in heightened feeling about Thank goodness, football's back. We actually love it more than we ever think we did, and we're delighted it's back. I don't know. We'll wait and see on that. From you yourself, Sean, is it an opportunity for reflection in terms of planning on getting back to business and, and what may be different? I mean, how have you got your coaches and staff? Or what have you got them doing this period to well, kind of prepare for that? Or are you just kind of living in the moment because there is no time frame to get back yet? The, the, the biggest challenge, well, partly that, that's a great shout, because once you get the the end date as it were or the beginning date actually as this case is the, the re-beginning if you like then we can work backwards from that and, and really plan we've got some background plans going on and fitness things and you know the psychology things and stuff like that but you know you can really plan going to the the, the bigger pitch of it then you know I think on reflection you, you, we were in a good place right we, we'd, we'd won four drawn three we were in a really good place you know we're in a good place in the league but by, by Burnley's you know the realities of our challenges Am I going to start ripping that up and rethinking it all? No, not at this stage. Um, I think we do a lot of good things. We're always trying to look for the detail and the, and the, the minutiae and the things that we can change, of course. That's standard for, for what, you should, well, what we think is correct. And that's for all the departments, you know, sports, science, analytics, everything and the coaching side. But we, on the other hand, we're not, you know, we're not a million miles away. So, you know, re- reflection is a thing to be used wisely. We've spoke with the staff and, and stuff to, to find out, you know, just to pick things. And I've had some great, um, I must say, I've had some brilliant calls from various contacts I've got where we've joined in with other sports, or I have, um, on, a, on a few Zoom calls. We've, we've picked a few ideas up and thoughts. But generally, it's almost like a, a bit of downside because what you forget in my, my role as a manager 
you don't get much pure downtime. This has been for me about family, looking after them, simple things, cooking, you know, eating well, bike rides, being quite calm because you don't get that a lot in football management. You know, you don't get a win because after the season, right? Just I'm on a bit of a ramble, I know, but after the season, finish the season, guess what? Your head's spinning with what's just happened, what can we change, what can we look to do, how can we do this, how can we do that right recruitment, what do we need? This is so surreal that it's during an actual season, we've still got nine games to go, that it's actually like, well, I can't affect any of that at the moment. So therefore, try and be wise with this time and actually have a bit of a shutdown myself. So, you know, got the headphones on, gone for a bike ride, you know, with the family, had a walk with the family, got back to cooking. I've always liked cooking, so I've got back to some cooking. And things that I just can't do have actually given me a bit of calmness. And I've, I've had a real kind of period of just you know, getting my head out of the sand and remembering some of the good times and the good things we've done without worrying about it, without being anxious and thinking, right, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. So so it's been kind of weird like that. And it takes some getting used to, by the way. You know, because to switch that off, what, we're in week five now, I think I'm in, because we, we, we came back, well, I came back home, if you like, from Burnley about four days before it really um, kind of closed down. And so, you know, I've rarely had that time in my life, let alone in my management career. So it's, it's kind of weird to just go, right, okay, let's sit down. And you know that, that urge, well, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And then you go, no, you haven't. You can do that in another half an hour if you want to have another cup of coffee. You know, <laughs> so just to slow down and unwind a bit. It's been quite an interesting process. I'm intrigued you say that because if you look at some of the managers you come up against week in, week out, let's let's think about one very successful Spanish manager, Pep Guardiola. In between his remarkable jobs at, at, at Barca and Bayern and then at Man City, he, he'd take a year out and go to New York and go around the art galleries. In a, in a weird sort of way, he, he, he just calmed down for a year. You're almost doing that now, aren't you? You're just, having a, you're just being calm again for the first time yeah, in years. Yeah, I mean, when, you, when you're at that level of any industry really and you're one of the market leaders you could do that when you're not when you're when you're striving all the time then you don't really get a window it's not like you know with all due respect I'd, I'd probably I'd like to think I'd have a chance to get a job if I had a year out but you're not really going to guarantee that and you're certainly not going to guarantee the job whereas if you're Pep Guardiola after his many successes you can go right I'm going to have a year I'm going to go I'm going to explore what I wanted to explore with my family and then I'm going to come back so that's an easier situation for people like him when that's not available to you, I certainly don't consider that something that I could just do easily and then just da-da, you turn back up in the Premier League somewhere. Then you're always on that hamster wheel. So to just come out of that, like you, you know, you know, do the simple things. I mean, I'm I'm quite simple-minded anyway. I don't live an extravagant life. I like I dip my toe in a bit of it now and again, but I like seeing my friends. I like having. I can't at the minute you understand, but you know, generally speaking, I like having a, a couple of pints with lads I went to school with when I was five years old. They're still my mates now. We have a curry. We tell the same old stories of everything, you know, but they just still get funnier and funnier and funnier. I go for a, a, a game of golf, I, you know, I, and now and again, I dip my toe in the good stuff. I like a concert and I like a night out and we pop into London and things like that, but not very often, really. So I quite like the simple stuff. I mean, you know, I've jet washed everything in the, the whole my garden, everything. I'm, I'm, I'm like jet washing the jet washer, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but I don't mind a little bit of that now and again. I actually feel good about doing some of them simple tasks because, yeah, again, it just switches me off of, of the norms. You know, it switches me off of the, as much as I enjoy the challenge of what football is, there's a lot going on for a manager now. You know, I always, I always it tickles me with my, my missus and the kids when they're coming on, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you know, about the game? They go four, four, two, four, three, three, you go in. And they haven't even got one second to go, hang on a minute. 
bet he's had four million things to do this morning and we're quizzing him about why he didn't have 14 passes in his own six-yard line. You know what I mean? You go like, you go like, yeah, yeah, it's that simple. You know, it's like you just turn up, coach them and roll them out there. You know, not quite that easy as we all know. So. Just mention the players here because I, I've, I'm lucky, Sean, to be involved in some teams and, and different sports, rugby, cricket, football. Actually, Northampton Saints, not far from you where you are this morning. Yeah, yeah. And I've been amazed how, not how well, but how the players have embraced, we're all in the same situation, and the homemade gyms, the garage gyms, they're going out for their 5K, 7K, doing the sprints in the garden, weights in the garden. I've been quite impressed by the players. Do you think that they'll learn how to self-manage themselves a bit better? Because, let's be honest, they have a lot done for them, and now they have to do it for themselves. How do you think they're going to adapt to this? Well, don't forget, though, when, you, when you've got a routine, a professional routine, a lot of that is a physical routine. So you are allowed to get out for your, your physical. And, and obviously now the, the rules have recently changed where you can do two lots of that a day. So if you think about it in its simplest form, when you're, when you're a player, you know, I was a player for 20 years, you wake up, you have breakfast, you get yourself mentally and physically ready, you go out, you work, you come back, you calm down, you have good food, you might have... I wasn't a day sleeper particularly, but you know, a lot of players have a little half an hour. You mooch about, you watch a film, you go in the garden, you eat again, you watch something in the evening, you're in bed. And that actually hasn't changed that much. The difference that's changed is the social mental side of it when you're with a group doing that. You know, all of a sudden you're on your own doing that. But the actual format of a player's life hasn't changed that much. The routine, if you like, is, is very, very similar. So I think a lot of them, I've been spoke to a few other players, are sort of looking at it almost like that it's a strange summer break because it's not a break, we know that, because you are getting ready to restart again and you can't go out socially and you can't go abroad and on holiday and relax by pool. But it's kind of that weird feeling, you know. So I think, and the other thing, let's face it, right, it's a very simple thing, but the weather's been amazing. I think we all know that has been uh, in, a, in a dark situation Imagine now if this was hammering it down every day. Simple things like that affect everyone, but they certainly affect footballers. You know, you get up, you're fit, you're well, you look around, your family are okay, and you go, right, okay, let's take stock of the situation. Let's go out, do my work, come back, we'll have some good food, we'll all talk to everyone, FaceTime and all that. So I don't know, I think, I, now this couldn't go on forever. We all know that. Eventually this is, you know, I, I'm getting fidgety now. It's what I'm at week five and I'm beginning to get fidgety myself. You know, there's only so many bike rides I can do. You know, before before you kind of go, all right, yeah, I've kind of exhausted the bike ride thing. But we've all just got to resist the temptation and, 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 you know, find ways of making sure that we're well and we're fit and we're not sort of possibly spreading a virus. And I think the players are bought into that and they're bought into the, what it is. They're, they are professional people nowadays. People sometimes forget that. It's highly unlikely my players come back in whenever that day is and they're out of shape and they've put on loads of weight. It's just highly unlikely that happens. It's not like that anymore. In, in any professional sport, but certainly not in football. You mentioned the, the routines of a player haven't changed a huge amount on a day-to-day basis. I think you're yeah, com- completely right. I think it, it, it seems quite similar. But in terms of the kind of world of high performance and how to, to approach not just football, but I guess high performance in general, you know, it's, it's a, clearly evolved a lot since, you know, you started out at, at Forest and, and Chesterfield in the 80s and probably a lot since, you know, first manager's job at Watford. Um, so how much how much do you think, it has evolved and kind of what the key learnings from your perspective you've kind of adopted since kind of 2011 since you took your first job yeah I think from outside of myself I think the the detail you know I, I'm I'm not really so I'm quite um, simplistic in my terms of the game the game's been going roughly 140 years the, the pitch has been the same size the goals and everything for certainly 100 years so you go well all right do you think that do you think people haven't tried a 4-4-2 and a 4-4-1-1 and a 4-3-3 <laughs> and a, and a 
a three five two. You know, everyone makes that as like this mysterious miracle that people have found a four three three. You know, they're playing that in like the nineteen thirty eight. You know, if you, if you read Inverting the Pyramid and, and books like that, they, they were playing that in the nineteen you know whatever it was nineteen thirty eight World Cup final. You know. So I think it's more the, the detail, the, the, the detail, the analytics in the detail, the, the sports science, the, 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 and the coaching detail as well. Don't get me wrong, you know, a yard here and a yard there counts. You know, that counts. And then the programming of the players, you know, we talk about automaticity with the players, working in a way that every day is right. So therefore, when you really need it, you'll just have it. It'll be there. It'll be subliminal. It's locked into you. So we do a lot on that kind of thing, you know, pre-framing, framing, deframing and stuff like that with the players. And we do it not through how we're talking. We do it on a daily basis. We demand daily. So it's just locked in. So I think the the detail, I think the support mechanism, some has gone too far, in my opinion. I think the, the players now, and you mentioned earlier about how much they've done for them, there's, there's so little ownership of everything else now that I think we've gone too far. We I don't think we have at Burnley, but I hear some stories of, which I think, um, you know, madness having someone will take the, the the bottle cap off a bottle for you. I'm going, well, I think you can probably manage that. And I'd like to think that <laughs> to manage that. So there's a time when I go, hang on a minute, you know, we all want elite performance, but you can soften the elite performance by giving too much. For me as a person, the things I've learned, obviously the step up from the championship to the Premier League is, I mean, it's been a long time now, I've had more, more seasons in the Premier League than the championship, but there's a massive media learning curve. Still learning about the media because it's a you know the shifting sands, controlling that your self control your your own CPD it's, you know it's a simple term but you know what I mean you just keep an eye on yourself self regulation you know how are you how are you dealing with it um, the stress mechanism how are you dealing with that the are you keeping up with modern trends or are you relying too much on what you think is right from past years you know are you are you actually keeping up with them trends are you trying to stay at least on online with what's going on or possibly push the boundaries. So I think you can't, I, I call it a state of flux. For me personally, I'm always in a state of flux. I'm never quite where I think I should be or I want to be, but I'm certainly a long way further forward than where I was. So it's like a state of flux for me. I'm, I'm always picking things up, always monitoring, always learning, still go through the highs and lows, still have days when I go, oh, I've had enough of this. Honestly, this is driving me mad. Still have days when it feels like a, just a walk in the park and it's beautiful and the sunshine, it smells rosy, you know. So monitoring all these things and then packaging it all together. And you know, the hardest thing actually is not overthinking it because there's a lot going on and you can start overthinking all this and overanalyzing everything. So just kind of keeping that, that level where you are learning, you are improving, not getting too high with the highs, not too low with the lows, take a few knocks along the way, but still believing in what you do. And I, and I think that's my journey from, the, from when I was at Watford first starting to where I am now. Can I take it back even further, Sean, if I may? Because I, I was taken last week, I read the, the obituaries on Saturday morning at length of, of Norman Hunter. I'm, I'm older than you, so I remember that, that team of the 70s of Leeds. And we talk about the, the progress, the detail, the sports science. I'm a sports scientist myself, and I'm, I'm with you. I think sometimes you, you can disable the player by doing too much for them, because in the end, everything is done for them, and they stop thinking for themselves. But I was taken by, the A, the, the team spirit of, of Leeds, and I'll come on to that in a minute. But I looked at the numbers, and just very, very, this will take five seconds. Jack Chalm, 773 games. Billy Bremner, 772. Paul Rooney, 748. Norman Hunter, 726. Paul Magley, 725. And poor old Peter Lauren, that lazy old thing, and he played 703 games. Yeah. I don't see very many players these days ending up with over 700 games. And Norman Hunter didn't miss a game for five full years. And you can't tell me he was fit for five years as a centre-half, and you should know that. So no, we've, we've progressed, oh, but 
where where do you where do you get those numbers from from because they must they played week in week out for, for twenty years. Don't forget there was, there was an era when they they were mentally different. I think mm. that era was stronger mentally just just by life. By the way, I think life was a lot more blunt, a lot more in your face, a lot more get on with it style. You know that's why you were brought up. You know if you're going to work, then work hard. You know if it's going to be a clean floor, then make it the cleanest floor. You know it was that kind of mentality across the country. We all think, uh, certainly my age group, I'm 48, I think that's softened. Just the simple basics of life has softened. So I think there's that. There is a higher demand, obviously, physically, but the highest demand of all that's changed is, is stress because I don't really like the word. It's too, I don't like it when my kids use it. They're kids. They shouldn't be talking about that. They shouldn't even know what it means. But, I, but in, in professional football, it's there. It's real. It's you know, it's, it's, it's flooded at these players now from every source you can think of now. You know, it's not just... So them guys back then, they'd, they'd read a paper once a week about the game. Now you've got 50,000 reports on every bit of every game for every player. So that's changed. Um, the physical side has changed. We all know that. But in balance that, the support system's changed. So therefore, in theory, you go where they kind of work in town. Plus you're told, let's face it, you are told constantly. Footballers are told constantly, if you think about it, through media, through everyone. And by the way, through sports science, you're doing too much. You're loading too much. Yep. They shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be playing this. They shouldn't be playing that. I mean, I'm, I'm not famous for, but I, I get questioned, I'll say, around Christmas time. They'll go, what about this busy period? I go, what busy period? And they always go, well, we've got all these games. And I go, have we? I said, well, oh, three games. Oh, no, nightmare. Three games in a week. Oh, that's a challenge. So that's a terrible challenge for a professional footballer. I just go, no, I'm not having that. So I just go, no, my lads will be fine. Because I just think, are you kidding me? Going to start drumming up this story that it's like, oh, they should be playing this. And I'm like, what, three games in a week? But I think they'll be all right. You know what I mean? These are highly trained professional athletes. I think they're going to be okay. So I'm not really in that school of thought. Within reason, and the within reason bit, is I do feel for people like Liverpool this season, forgetting about the fact they're romping it. You know, they had the Champions League late last year, which I went to. They're then back into pre-season. They're now loads of games because they're in every competition. Not always saying I agree with the idea of, you know, kids and FA cuts and all that. But that aside, then they have had a very big schedule. But for Burnley Football Club, I'm more than happy that our players can at least get through them three games a week lesson. You know, I, mean, I think they'll be all right. You know, <laughs> so I'm kind of in the mix in all that. You know, a bit of old school mentality with new school thinking. You know, that's what I think. I think that's what I like to think. I deliver is old school mentality, but new school thinking, and and that's how we try and bring it together. I'm only speaking personally about Burnley. That is, that's how we try and bring it together and stay with a strong mentality about what the truth is, rather than the perception of the truth. I, I was taken by a conversation I had with a, um, a midfielder at Brentford, where, I, where I'm engaged, uh, a couple of seasons ago. Uh, he's moved on now. He's 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 a good player, good young player, and he 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 was he, he's an English player, brought up in in a city. And and one day he sh he showed me a drawing he had, in his, a tattoo on his arm. And I said, "I'm not being funny. That looks just looks like a street. You know, it wasn't the sun rising over the hills, and it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't yeah, it wasn't a date yeah. in his life. It was just it looked like a street with some cars on it and some <laughs> lampposts. And he was he goes, "Yeah, mate, because that's where I grew up." Uh, and he said, "That's where I went to play football." And I said, "Go on then." And we got chatting. And then all of a sudden, the, the players started listening to him. And we'd never had this conversation. It was in the treatment room, Sean. And I said, go on, talk me through the street. He goes, there's number 24. There's number 36. There. That's my best mate lived. See those, that, that lamppost there? That was one goal. And the other lamppost was the other goal. And he said, we play for about 12 hours there a day. 
And I said, what, how do you find football now then playing the championship? And we were going for promotion at the time. And he said, yeah, I love it. He goes, it's just two things I'd change. I said, what's that? He goes, I'd train more and I'd like more games. And I said, go on. He said, well, 46 games over nine, 10 months. It's not a lot, is it? I mean, I'd be happy to play three, all this three games in a week. He goes, I do it all the time. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I used to do 12 hours a day on, on concrete. So this is, I find it a bit easy to be honest with you. And people were amazed. He actually almost spoke out because he said, no, it's, it's not hard. I promise you it's not hard. And it yeah, stuck but, with yeah, me. But, you know, yeah, but the balance of that is that, right, so I was actually on a, a call the other day and, and we were chatting through this idea. That the thing that I've noticed, and, and I might not, by the way, there's no, there's no fact to this. This is like a feel. When I played, sort of linking in, when I played, you played because, first of all, you loved the challenge of it. You, you had a desire to be a footballer. Not a desire, in my opinion, this is from a change of era, not a desire to have a Ferrari. The Ferrari might come, but I was more interested in trying to play for England as a, as a sort of mentality. Now I think what you're finding is these, or some highly, highly skilled players, but underneath it all, you know, they're actually like, I don't actually love it. I'm just good at mm. it. So there's been this shift in, you know, people, people used to love it to be good at it. Now they can almost be because they're trained from a very young age now, you know, they're not just playing in the street. They're, 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 they're given programs and training programs. And the, the upside of that is they've got a much higher sort of football education by the time they get to 16, 18 years old. The downside of it, in my opinion, it can be like a job. So they've been doing a job since they were seven years old till they were 17. And then we wonder why they just look a bit, apathetic and they're not quite you know that edge and that desire and I'm going well no wonder it's been like a job whereas the kids who have just been playing I mean we sit a lot now in lads who come into the academies later on when they might be 14 15 they look different because they are different because they've just been playing with their mates they've been playing Sunday league or whatever and we go they've got this different thing and I'm like yeah you could actually train that different thing you know you just choose not to by doing everything around a mannequin or a cone. So it, this kind of freedom that used to be with players and this emotional freedom to just desire it, it's almost, you know, not extracted, but it's pulled away from some of these kids growing up. But by the time they're 17, the bit that you're talking about of just going, yeah, I loved it, I played down the street and all that, not many kids are like that now, you know. No. There's not much of that going on. Everyone's been in an academy since they were like, two, you know, two years old. And they're told to do this, told to that. You run around a cone, you run around a mannequin. You know, and maybe that, it's, it's kind of made these different products. There's some players who are out there who just, they happen to be good, really good at what they do through training, but not actually through desire. You know, their desire is different. And, and that's why you get players now, uh, there'll be players in the future, 28 years old, 29 to go, right, I've made me money now, I've enjoyed it, I was good at it, now I'm off, you know. And I think that's going to change. And then you're going to have this psychological shift that comes from that, which is probably not going to be good news. How do you keep yourself... First, Sean, if I can ask, because you've been at Burnley the best part of of eight years. Uh, I've always said to the, the managers I've worked with, I've, I've worked with some good ones and some you know different ones as well, from, gosh, Steve Bruce to Gareth Southgate and came across Stam Turn in my time at Hull City. And I always think one of the biggest threats to football is boredom because you've got to give 46 team talks, 40, 46 halftime talks, 46 pre-match talks, 46 Monday morning talks. How have you kept yourself fresh uh, and keep it creative at Burnley? Well, I've gone through spells when I haven't been fresh. That's for sure. Um, and then you rely on your staff. You rely on just the fact that you do it because you are that you are that guy that does it. So sometimes you are in you know automatic mode where you think, right, this is my job. I've got to go out and do it. Luckily, that's not very often. I've had spells of it when I have been a bit like, you know, 
wow, you know, where, where do we go from here? Um, and I've had moments. Um, I've addressed that a couple of times when I thought I'd needed to. Um, through sports psychology, we've got a psychologist, not in a deep-seated way, just a refresher, say, look, I need a boost or I need to find this and I need to find that. So it happens, you know, where even as a manager, you get them periods of being a bit a dry of thoughts and just dry of what it is. You know, people have got to remember, just to give you an insight, that when you, I'll give you an example of what I mean. When, when you get promoted, right, so we got promoted from the, the championship to the Premier League and we had a, a go at it and it didn't quite work. We go back to the championship, we got then got re-promoted. They're all exciting for different reasons, right? The first season you get promoted, very, very exciting. Every day is like, come on, we're on this. Then you challenge at the Premier League. We're right at this, right the way down to the last, I think it was two games to go when we finally went down. But you're on it. Then you go, right, we've got to get back up again. So now you've got this charge for the, you know, to get promoted again. Then you get in season two of the Premier League and you've survived it in the first season, you survived the second. Now you go, all right, well, what are we actually challenging for? Now that bit gets tricky then. So we're in season four now, going into season five. Well, let's let's imagine that we get this season done and we're okay. And then you go, all right, well, where where does that live then? What's the challenge now? The challenge is not as obvious. The challenge then goes, in my opinion, to further development. It goes into further increasing the players' chances of not only being successful at Burnley, but possibly beyond Burnley. And then you have to refocus. So you're constantly refocusing on this strange new reality. And the excitement of going to Old Trafford is different because you've been to Old Trafford, you know, six times on the on six years on the run or whatever, five years on the run. Um, and all these big clubs and all these journeys and all these things that you imagined, they're now kind of, they're, they're normalised. So that's a different thing. And that happens to players as well, but like, it becomes a more normalised situation. So you're constantly refinding different ways of motivating yourself. Because if you're not motivated, I guarantee you it will leak into your staff. And if it leaks into them, it will leak into the players. And we had a period of that, definitely, which I, I was pleased that we, we nipped in the bud and we, we flipped things around and changed things around. I'm just being honest, there are periods when you do get unenthused by it all, but then it comes back because deep down it's what I've done all my life. And so I do find the ways of working through them periods to make sure I stay on top of what I need to stay on top of to deliver what I need to deliver. But it's not easy. You like to bring it up. It's not an easy thing. People just take it for granted. It's not, you can't, I don't think you can love everything you do all of the time. I think it's inhuman. You know, even with the, the modern psychological view of, you know, every day's a new day and let's go and challenge ourselves and all that. Well, I haven't met anyone who can do that literally every day. And if they are, I think there's a little bit of imposter syndrome in there because I just don't believe people can do that constantly, 24-7. I, I got an email last week on Friday from a, a member of a football community. He works in, a, works in a support staff and he goes, I'm feeling a bit guilty because I should be seizing every day and should I be doing more and bettering myself every moment of every day in 24-7 and be the best I can be? And I said... I said, actually, some days just put the kettle on and leave it because you, you can't do that 24-7. I think then you would be in genuine burnout territory. You really would be. Yeah, Matt, you, you start you start yeah. taking too much out yourself then. You start draining your own energy by by overthinking, overanalyzing everything. You mentioned the, you know, the the, the keeping it fresh and, and, and things like that. I know you're massive on kind of core values, Sean, and, and, and that's been one of the, the drivers of success. And also the other, other bit, I guess, maybe for the listeners out there that don't know soccer or football that well, you know, Burnley would be considered, I guess, a small market team, which probably puts into perspective and emphasises how important it is to have good people around you. So how, how important is, has it been for you, Sean, to not only keep the values fresh, but also, you know, keep the people fresh around you as well um, you know, th- through the journey? Yeah, I mean, so the, there's a, a train of thought. It's in business, not just football business. You know yourselves every three to five years, uh, change your staff or change the players. Well, I've, I haven't changed the staff. I, I, I'm not really keen on that as long as they're 
continuing to work with that edge that it takes to deliver a performance of their own performance. I don't mean a literal performance as you think in a football match, but, you know, a physio keeping their levels and keeping their detail and working with the players, sports science, analytics, etc. And ourselves, of course, coaches as well. I've never been keen on that. And my staff have been, most of them are there from when I inherited them. I brought two in with me, uh, Mia Wove is my assistant, and Tony Lockerlin, who's, who's our first team coach. The rest were all there. There's been some left, not because we've kicked them out, by the way, but because they've naturally gone on to a couple went to Liverpool and uh, analytics and stuff like that. And then players-wise, we do find it, it is tough to refresh um, out, outside of refreshing your, you know, your day-to-day work as coaches. But you also want fresh faces because it's a strange phenomenon, you know, where players just respond to newness, even if it's just new players. They it gives it a different feel. And there's that little injection of, oh, right, okay, are they coming in to take my place? And you get this strange, like, underlying kind of push from nowhere. And that that's obviously why the big managers down the years, you know, the, the obvious one to do it for so long was Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, you're thinking, well, how many times did he refresh all of that, but stick with his same core of your, your skulls and your gigs and them sort of guys and Rio Fernandes and people who were there for a long time, but still refreshing around that. That's difficult in our world because we don't throw massive money everywhere. And then nowadays, although obviously what's going on now, who knows, that might soften and change things. But generally speaking, we don't put massive amounts of funding into the team. So it is difficult to refresh. It is difficult to keep everyone sharp and to keep remodeling your training sessions, your thinking, your organization and all of them things and not lose sight of the key core things that you believe in. You know, because there are some things that they are just what they are. They have to remain. And I certainly spoke to Sir Alex about that and said, you know, 27 years, he said, well, there's certain things that were absolutely going to stay, no matter what modern, you know, life told me, they're the things that we believe in. And usually they are key core values. They're not the peripheral stuff. They're actually pride, passion, a work ethic, a demand, a, you know, will, a desire. You know, these, these old fashioned words have never been more relevant. I said in a talk very recently, I said, People talk to me about these old-fashioned things. In my opinion, they've never been more fashionable. These should be the biggest fashionable things in, in current sport and, and life, maybe. Getting back to some of these basic qualities that are very, very fundamental to true success, in my opinion, that is. Well, I'd written the articles last week on Leeds United with Norman Hunter and the teammates reflecting upon him. And everyone calls it old school. I just call it right school. They're still right because yeah. it, it was team spirit. It, it was effort. It was, I mean, they must have trained like lions to, to get that number of games and be that successful. And they, don't, they haven't gone away, have they, Sean? No, well, well, they shouldn't have gone away. I mean, they've softened. Um, I do believe that. And, and the, the morality of life and the, and the games have softened. You know, we were talking, we started part of the piece you mentioned earlier, or just before we started, was about, you know, diving in sport, and, you know, simulation. That's because I'm not allowed to use the word cheating. Everyone gets annoyed when I call it cheating. Um, simulation. <laughs> so let's use that modern word of simulation. And, you know, and things like that. They just wouldn't, they wouldn't have been accepted in your own dressing room, let alone in the opposition dressing room. And they certainly would have been accepted by fans. So you know, morality is another thing, you know, and, and, and the morality of the game, you know, what it stands for. And these things have all softened. Now, we just make sure the players are reminded of it. We don't force it upon them because obviously I've been there long enough now that the culture and the environment they're in kind of suggests it's strong enough where when you come into Burnley Football Club as a new player, you're probably going to get realigned pretty quickly with the demands of what goes on. And if you're not going to get reminded by just the way that we all work, then you're going to be reminded by me and the staff pretty quickly. You know, this is what we do. This is how we work. And most people, well, most that I've had have actually found some joy in that. You know, they've, they've enjoyed the fact that 
if we simplify things, this is what we demand, this is what we stand for, you can actually strip off a lot of the nonsense, you know, because you come in, you've got all this stuff going on in your own world and whatever it may be, media and social media and agents, it can be refreshing to come into the training ground at our place and strip all that back and know that you're in a bunch of like-minded people who are just going to go, right, okay, let's get on with it. Um, and that's what we sell to the players. Look, we, we're going to take away all that, all that stuff around you. So when you come in here, you're free to work. You can just be yourself, relax, join in, work hard, and go away feeling good about life. So we, we try and get a bit of that going on as well. And Sean, before I let you go and jet wash the jet, jet washer, and by the way, that's about as good a line as I've heard during this during, during this process. We've all been doing a bit more reflecting, a bit more reading, a bit more watching even. Is there anything out there you'd recommend for, for the leaders, uh, people you, you, you know in the community? A, a podcast, a book, a film, Netflix, anything you've come across which just just made you either made you happy, it made you laugh, it made you think? Is there something out there you could recommend? I'm not... You put me on my toes now because I'm Ooh. not really... I mean, well, no, I, I do... You know, the, there's a lot of the, the, the big hitter books that have been out there that we, you know, most of my effects and bounce and all these things. And uh, I'm not doing them down below, but, you know, good books and legacy and all these things, they're all they're all worthy. Do you know what? If, if there's more of something... Right, this sounds super simple, but I'm going to share it with you. I often... We remark on all these things and there's some great uh, detail in a lot of these books and um, self-learning books, self-help books, psychology books, and some great stuff. There really is. But usually, you know, you go through all of it. Do you know what it usually ends up as? Work hard a lot. You know, <laughs> you go, sort of like, I read all these books and I go, right, okay, take home message. Do things a lot, do them with a bit of detail and work really hard at them. Okay, all right, that seems pretty, pretty normalised to me. So I'm not overly into everything. I do like films. I don't mind sharing that. I like, and some with the, the, the background message coach carter and things like that you know there's a bit of great nlp in these films which i like and you know you know simple good stories like the blind side you know sporty kind of films and all that yep. um, but yeah i'm not i don't think there's a go-to but sorry i'm waffling but i don't think there's a go-to i don't think there's one thing i like to think you're a magpie you pinch things from everywhere you know you add them into your toolkit you add a bit of your own and what you believe in and then you use all these things. So I just nick things from all different, even this chat. There were things out of this chat that you remind yourself of sometimes. And while I'm on a roll, I'll give you a quick example. I went down to Saracens last year. Yeah, last, no, season before. Yeah, sorry, last season. We were having a really tough time when I went down. I got invited down. I went down to do a question and answer. This is a true story, right? And this will fit in nicely. We, I'm doing this question and answer. And as I'm doing it, I'm actually self-reflecting on what we do. And do you know what? I went back to the staff. It's a true story. The next day, I said, I sat there doing this question and answer. And they're asking some really good questions about what we do and why we do it. And do you know what? I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten why we do it and how we do it. So we're going to get back literally to how we do it and why we do it. And we did. And we turned the season around. Now, I can't tell you that was the moment we turned it around. But I'd sort of got full flannel and bothered with everything that I shouldn't have been doing rather rather than literally doing the simple things that we were doing and that q a reminded me of that moment and i literally went back and we changed everything back to what we thought the core was about four years ago and then we took 28 points out the next 19 games and stayed in the premier league so you know i'm not a zealot to one thing or the other i think there's loads of things you can pinch and even on self-reflection in that moment at saracens when i felt right okay remind yourself of the simplicities but the importance of them simplicities of what we do so yeah, sorry, not very good on not the one, listen, one book I, I could I could listen, you I told you at the beginning you've met your match here in terms of ramblings, but my favourite phrase in life, I've only, I've only the only one thing I've ever done of any note in my own little private sitting here in the study here is I've entered a phrase years ago called sim, simplicity is genius because it's really hard to do it now because there's so much stuff 
And you once told me a line, Sean, which um, you didn't use this exact word. And this is my final comment before handing back to Matt. You told me once at a conference that uh, now you can you can get drunk on information. I think you use a different ex- explanation, and I use it everywhere I go. I said Sean Dyche once told me that you can get drunk on information, and that is one area I don't want to get drunk on because you can you just you just get lost in the information. So Sean, no, I'm, for I'm me, saying, I like nick, I like nicking things. Sorry, I like nicking ideas. You know, and use them. Yeah, go on. Sorry, but I've, no, I've been, I've nicked four of yours this morning. So if you if, if this is a four all draw, I'm more than happy. But all, all I can say, Sean, is listen, thank you very much from me. I'm going to hand back to Matt now, but thank you for your time this morning for talking to me. Uh, some of you don't know that well. We've only met a couple of times, and that has been 40 minutes of absolute gold and reflection as well. So, Sean, thank you very much indeed. Pleasure. I think reflection is really important, isn't it, Sean? I know you like to. I think, I think the jet washing is a, is a really good point. I've jet washed the patio recently, it's been very enjoyable. You like a bit of golf as well, don't you? You get, get away I do, and try I and do. reflect. Um, Portugal, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't at the minute. Um, unfortunately, I do. I get out for a few charities. Um, actually, I'll go out to um, Portugal play for one charity. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a fellow who's mentioned he might know you or something. Because uh, um, I mentioned I'd do something leaders in sport. We were chatting one day around the golf sort of area. He heard me chatting. He'd come and said hello. I think, can't really remember him, to be honest. Nigel, it might have been Nigel or something like that. Yeah, it rings a bell, actually. Yeah, yeah he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have stuck in my mind you know, long enough. I meet a lot of people. and I don't think he'd have stuck in my mind long enough for me to really know him, to be honest. But uh, yeah. maybe I meet these people and sometimes they do sort of tell me that they know me really well. And, you know, what, what do you do? I mean, that's... That's their problem, too, not mine. Well, enjoy the enjoy the next trip out there. Uh, hopefully, Nigel's there as well. Well, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I can't go this summer because now it's been called off, or it looks like it will of be course. Which is a shame because it's a good charity cause. But yeah, if I if I see him again, if I bump into him, I'll tell him that we definitely weren't asking about it. Absolutely, absolutely, Sean. It's a real pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for taking a few minutes of your day, um, and please do stay up, uh, stay safe up there in Northampton, and obviously best of luck to everyone at Burnley. Okay, take care. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, guys. Uh, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. As I said, uh, that's it for this episode but you can find this podcast and the other episodes and much more on the Leaders Content Hub as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Uh, Sean actually spoke alongside Emma Hayes uh, at the event in Oval back in 2017, which Michael moderated. So if you want to watch that and any other video, audio and written content, then head over to the home of Total High Performance at leadersinsport.com forward slash performance. Thank you to John Porch once again for knitting these podcasts together and also to Luke Whitworth for providing some great thoughts and questions for our guests' top men. Until next time, stay safe and keep thinking. Speak soon.